0: When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon." and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into the Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him.
1: A few weeks ago, um, my wife Katie had this dream. And in this dream, she dreamt that um, some friends of ours who do a church down in England, the senior pastor was on the stage with a hosepipe. And he was watering the uh, musicians, watering the uh, electric guitar, pouring water over the drums, just absolutely going it with the with the horsepipe, absolutely flooding the place with water. Now, if you imagine we're in the summer now and it's kind of stripped back here, but normally we're up on there and there's drums and there's electric guitar and there's sometimes cello, and there's all sorts of electric stuff happening on there. This is a health and safety nightmare. Like, you would never put a horse pipe on the stage, you would never squirt water on there, but in the dream, the senior pastor was absolutely going for it, squirting everything, dousing it, drenching it in water. Now, this was quite humorous, and the people in the congregation begin to laugh, and they're like, what on earth is he doing with the horsepipe on the stage? It was so humorous, in fact, that in the dream, his wife began to say, oh my goodness, what is he doing? This is silly. This is ridiculous, what he's doing. However, in the dream that Katie had, where the worship group were, where the musicians were, where the instruments were, a garden began to grow. And it began to flourish, and it began to blossom, and it began to grow and grow and grow. And in the dream, Katie said she stepped back, and what she saw on the stage was like a garden the size of an Olympic swimming pool. This awesome, well-watered garden that was flourishing and blossoming right there on the stage in the middle of the church. And she woke up. She remembered it halfway through breakfast, and she was like, oh, I had this weird dream last night, Uh, and she begins to tell me the dream, and I was like, oh my goodness, we've got to tell that. We've we've got to call him up, and we've got to say, look, it sounds a bit strange, but let me just tell you this dream. So we prayed about it, we talked about it, and I called him up, and as I was speaking to him on the phone. My heart began to beat faster. My spirit was quickened. And I felt like God gave me what I felt was some of the interpretation of what was going on in the dream. And I said to him, look, I don't know if this rings true. I don't know where you're at but if you feel like pouring resources into the worship department of the church seems a little bit silly. I don't know if by pouring all the energy, effort, love, attention into the music side of the church seems a bit humorous and actually that you're getting a bit of flack for it or maybe there's a bit of tension in the church. My encouragement would be to keep going, to keep going, keep watering. Keep watering the garden, keep pouring into it, pouring into it because I feel like God is building a well watered garden in your church. And he's doing it through the worship side of things. My friend said, well, you know, Katie would never know this. You you would never know this. But actually, we're going through a season where we're doing just that. We're pouring efforts financial um, backing we're pouring resources into this area and, and it looks a bit humorous and actually you'd never know this but actually I've returned back to leading worship this, this person's a worship leader and, he said, and leading worship I felt silly and actually some of the people in the congregation have said why is the senior pastor leading worship like this is a bit silly and he said but that's really encouraging that's really great we are going to press on we're going to keep on we think God is in this that might have been just a coincidence however two days later a worship pastor in la calls him up so hey you're never going to believe this um it sounds a bit strange but I had this picture of a garden I had this picture of your water i've had this picture of growth and a well water and she used exact same imagery same language same pattern same confirmation same encouragement As the dream. Now, the reason I tell you that is because I love that God uses ordinary people to dream dreams. I love that when we step into things and we have the conversation and we talk about the dreams with each other and say, could be wrong, it's maybe not prophetic, but I'm going to share it. I'm going to hold it lightly. I'm going to throw it out there and see if it grows legs. I love the fact that God would use somebody in Edinburgh and somebody in LA to come and call and have the courage to have a conversation with somebody in England and say, look, we don't know whether this is right, but we had a dream. We had a dream. In the passage that we've just looked at, we've got this really interesting story, don't we? We've got a really interesting example of dreams. Now, in the dream, you've got wine. In the dream, you've got bread. In the dream, you've got Someone's head being put on a stake in the dream, you've got somebody being lifted up and praised. It's a bit of an abstract dream, a bit of a humorous dream, if you like. There's so much that we can take from this passage and reading it and praying it through. Two things that came out for me obviously, the whole section of dreams, the importance of dreams. I have a friend who. Every morning, he gets up, and he just writes his dreams down, if he can remember them. He can't often remember them, but he'll write it down as much as he can, and he'll, he'll number it, number 14, number 15, whatever it is. And often in his life, people have been praying for him, and they say, I don't know what this means, but I saw you looking at a book, and, and number 15 came up. And he's like, he goes, and he looks, and he's like, oh my gosh, that dream that I had four years ago, or whatever, that is so, where am I? Now, all dreams aren't prophetic, we know that. You know, we hold them lightly, and we dream all sorts of stuff. But God does speak through dreams. You look throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament, and then you, people are spoke to by God through dreams. They get these amazing dreams. And even in the end times, it says that people will dream dreams. You'll see visions. All men will dream dreams. Dreams are important to God. They're important to us. These eight hours, if you're lucky, if you don't have kids, these eight hours of sleep where you're just lying there, a given to God, say, God, would you speak to me in my sleep, in my dreams? Would you speak? Would you say something? I'm not going anywhere unless you're desperate for the toilet. I'm not going anywhere during the in my dream. Why don't you just speak to me? Why don't you speak to me in this moment? The second thing that we're going to look at is just gifts. Joseph dreamed dreams, yes, he interpreted dreams. But he also used the gift of interpreting dreams in and out of his context, in culture. Joseph wasn't in a religious building. He wasn't at church on Sunday. He wasn't with some Christian friends. Yet he used the gifts that he had to encourage someone to point them towards God. I love that. Let's look then at the fact that God speaks to us through dreams. Are we in a place where we can say, God, come and speak to me? come and reveal your plans for me. Often when you uh, read about people that have had massive breakthroughs, it's been in their dreams. Things that people have invented, certain things that were, were lacking, came to them in a dream. And they're like, oh my God, I just dreamt it. Whether that's God or not, who knows? But let's listen or pay attention to our dreams. Joseph was somebody that valued dreams. He was somebody that listened to his dreams. He was somebody that weighed dreams. He was somebody that prayed for interpretation of dreams. He was somebody who used that gift to interpret dreams. Let's look at the context then where Joseph was. So, this is the second time that Joseph has been stripped of his identity. He's been put in a pit for the second time, if you like. Now, Joseph could have said, you know what? Forget you, God. Like, I'm done. I'm in a pit again. I've been falsely accused of raping Potiphar's wife. I'm in this pit. I don't need to interpret in anybody's dreams. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to hear this. Like, I don't need to get involved in this. What I love about this passage is there's just that one um, verse, that, that Joseph saw that they were dejected. He actually saw that they were sad. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I can be so consumed with my own pain, with my own situations, with my own stuff that's going on, that sometimes I fail to even see others' pain, other people's needs, other people's situations. Joseph saw that they were sad. He's in jail, for goodness sake. Like, he could have been livid. He could have been down. He could have just had his head down. Yet he saw that they were sad. And he steps into it. It begins to engage What we need to understand in this context is that biblically in those times, these people, the cupbearer and the the bread maker, they have these dreams that they can't interpret. In those days, they would have gone to Egyptian mystics. They would have gone to Egyptian mystics who would have conjured up some magical power and they would have gave him or them the interpretation of the dream. Whether it was right or not, who knows. But they would have interpreted it for them. They can't have that because they're in jail. They don't have their go-to. Siri's not been invented yet. Google doesn't exist. Like they can't go to their mystic and ask, what does this mean? Here is an opportunity. At work is an opportunity. Where people don't go to church, where people don't go to places, like you're in a place where you can step into it. God uses this opportunity. Joseph uses this opportunity and says, hey, you know what? I can do that for you. God can do that for you. Don't go to the mystics. You can't anyway. But I can can help you in this situation. I love that Joseph gets involved. He gets God involved in it. I love the fact that we can learn from the two prisoners. I know they're not kind of following God. They're not kind of Christian as you like. They're not following Yahweh. But these two prisoners, they could have just said, oh, you know what? That dream was weird. I best not tell anybody about that. Like, that's too strange. Like, if I tell somebody that, they'll think I'm, I'm a bit strange. Like, they were there. They had the dream. They had the confidence and the courage. When they were asked, what's wrong with you? They said, well, I, I had this dream, and I don't know what it means. Let's have the confidence that if someone asks us what's wrong, we can say, hey, look, you know, I've got this reoccurring dream. I can't sleep at night. Or I'm having this issue in my life, and it might seem a bit strange, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Let's have the confidence, like the two prisoners, to speak up, to speak out, to talk about the thing that is going on in our lives. There's a great lesson for us there. Another lesson that we can look at is that Joseph, in this situation, he chose to tell the truth. Like, he didn't sugarcoat the bad news. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the cupbearer, yeah, that's great. It's going to be good. You're going to get your job back in three days. All will be well. But when the chief bread maker told him his dream, and he's like, oh, I know what that means. He didn't say, oh, I think it's going to be fine for you, too. Don't don't worry about it. (laughs) Just kind of let's see how it plays out. Joseph spoke the truth in love. Maybe for some of us, we're being asked to speak the truth even if it hurts. To speak the truth even when our voice shakes. To speak the truth even when it's hard. To say it as it is, how we see it. Not to be cruel or nasty, but actually the truth in love. There's a great lesson there. Joseph uses his gift in and out of season. So now we're moving into the part. For me, the dream section, very clear. Let's look at our dreams. Let's talk about our dreams. Let's encourage others in their dreams The second part then, Joseph used the gifts that he had, interpreting dreams. But he used it in and out of season as well. I think it's great that as a church, and we have moments where we listen to God, we had... uh, kingdom Come, not too long back, and we got into threes, and we prayed for each other, and we listened for each other, and we said, oh, I feel that like God might be saying this, and that's amazing. We have uh, the network course here as well, and that's brilliant as we discover our gifts. We discover what our gifts might be to use in church, and that's brilliant, and I've sat down with a few people that's done it and talked them through and, and prayed through where it might be best for them to use their gifts in church, and that's great, and that's right, and that's brilliant. But I'm also inspired, I'm also encouraged about using your gifts outside of these four walls. I'm inspired about using our gifts in our workplaces, in the street, in another context. Joseph was in jail. You may not be in jail tomorrow. Your work might feel like jail. University might feel like, I don't know. But in your context tomorrow, that's a different context. And my encouragement would be, Not to close up the toolbox. As I was preparing, I said a picture of a toolbox, actually. And it was this picture of a toolbox that was kind of closed up on a Sunday. And at the end of church, they kind of closed the toolbox up. And we can all do this, can't we? The gifts that we have, the passion that we have, the love that we have, we can close it up when we leave church on a Sunday, but the picture was of an open toolbox, a massive array of all the tools. And I really feel that God wants to use the gifts that you have, use the personality that you are, use the character that you are on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like an open toolbox with all the tools spread out in front of you to use them in your workplace, in your context, in the places that God has placed you in. Just like Joseph did. He didn't close the toolbox up and he said, hey, you know what, I'm in jail, I'm off duty. I'm not doing that. He said, hey, look, my gifts, my heart is open for you today in this context right where we are. I love that. We heard recently of a guy who uh, prayed with somebody in in a coffee shop. It was the place that he goes to every lunchtime. And he got the opportunity to pray for him. Yes, we pray for people in church, but doing it in the week as well. John Wimber, who uh, was one of the founders of Vineyard Movement, John Wimber is kind of often quoted to say this, the meeting place is the equipping place or the training place for the marketplace. The meeting place, church, where we gather, is the equipping place, not just for church, not just for here, but for the workplace, for the marketplace, for the university, for the tram, for the bus, wherever you find yourself. It's here that we hear from God. It's here that our heart is shaped and we take it to the world. We take it to the corners of the earth. When we uh, lived in London, we helped plant a church uh, in in King's Cross. And and every Sunday on our way to church, I would take a group of people. And as we were on our way to church, we would look for people that we could pray for on the streets. So just random strangers that we felt drawn to. We would just kind of wander around in twos and we feel drawn to somebody and we would just go and pray for them. And I would love taking people who were really good on a Sunday at being pastoral. Like the pastoral people who you know—you just know are warm and fuzzy, who you just want to have a conversation with, or maybe really good at counseling, maybe they're experiencing counseling. I love taking them outside of the church building and looking for strangers and people, random people that we'd go to. And I would just stand back as they would just go for it. And they would just be pastoral on the street and then say, hey, thank you for sharing that. That's really kind. That's really hard, isn't it? That thing that you're going through that you've just shared, that's really difficult. Like, I just, I just want to know that, that God sees that. That's really hard. I used to love taking people uh, who had the gift of faith in church. So, those that you kind of pray with on a Sunday and they kind of do them big prayers, and it's like, I've just got the faith that your situation's going to change, and yes, come, Lord Jesus. I would love taking them on the street on a Sunday on our way to church and standing back and just watching them as they go and they say, Look, I hear your situation but I've got the faith that your situation's gonna change. I just feel that God's gonna do something great and it's gonna change for you. I love taking those who were really evangelistic and a gift of evangelism out on the street and being able to explain the gospel in a very normal way to people. It was amazing to see as these tools were being used that are normally used on a Sunday, were used on, um, outside of a church context and are being used during the week. Um, I recently went to Dishoom, this Indian restaurant, and Mark's humming, and I can hear his belly rumbling. Um, but Dishoom's, this Indian restaurant, it's really cool. Um, it's on St. Andrew's Square. Uh, there's a, there's a one in London, and they're starting to pop up all over now. It's a really authentic, really cool place, and it was absolutely rammed when we went. And I was meeting a friend from uh, Birmingham. And we were just chatting, having a conversation over lunch. And then this waiter came up and began to pour the chai tea. And as he was pouring the chai tea, uh, my friend was just looking at the waiter. And he just said, hey, um, I could be wrong. But I just get this sense that you've got big dreams in your life, haven't you? You carry big dreams in your heart. Like, this is great what you're doing now, the job that you're doing. But it's not what you want to do. And actually, some of the things that you've had since a kid... You've forgotten about. You've laid them down. You haven't even looked at them. And maybe God's asking you just to look at them again, to pick them big dreams up again, and just to look at them, just to grapple them, and maybe just to go for some of them dreams. Like, is any of, does any of that make sense? And the waiter's like, oh, my gosh, did you just read my emails? Like, what? what? Yes, that totally makes sense. And it was a joy to watch this waiter almost melt in front of us. He disappeared and came back later at the end of our meal with two loyalty cards fully loaded. He'd stamped them all. And he said, hey, look, early, I don't know what that was, but that conversation was like a game changer for me. That was just incredible. That made my day. I'm going to revisit my dreams. I'm going to go back to some of the things that I always wanted to achieve in my life. I was back there a few weeks later, and I was with some friends from London. And we were having a conversation, and I overheard one of the other waiters complain about a bad back and he's like oh my back's really sore I've been to doctors tried a whole lot of stuff I've had needles put in me I've had every sort of thing it's just not happening I'm just getting a real pain in my back and my heart begins to speak fast and I was like well, if he was in church I'd pray for him why can't I pray for him in dishum? if he if he was here on a Sunday I'd pray for him why can't I pray for him midweek like this is just a, 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 a child God you know him you seem like why can't I do it and I thought well I could offer to pray for him but I probably won't I'll probably bottle it, and I'll leave quite quickly, and then I'm like, oh, but I'm kind of with some friends, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell my friends, and then I can't back out, so I say to my friends, hey, um, I'm going to leave in a minute, but I overheard a conversation, and the waiter has got a bad back. And I feel that God's asking me just to pray for him and to pray for his back. So will you just watch me as I walk out? And will you make sure that I actually go and grab him and have a conversation? And you can text me later, and I'll tell you how it goes. But I just want to be accountable, and I want to do this. I want to step into this and be brave. And like, okay, cool. So I did it. So I went up, and I saw the guy, and I was like, hey, overheard your conversation. No, this sounds a bit strange. I go to a church just around the corner, but I heard that you've got a bad back. And my heart started beating faster, and I just get a sense. Could be wrong just get a sense that God wants me to offer a prayer for you. I'd love to pray for you. Would, would you mind? How do you feel about me just saying a prayer for you now in this restaurant? And he was like, I'd love that. I'd absolutely love that. Yeah, okay, that'd be cool. So very naturally, with my eyes open and I didn't kneel down, uh, just as I was, you know, I just kind of put my hand right where his back was, just said a simple prayer. God, would you come? Would you minister? Would you speak healing to his back? But then the prayer developed, and it became more about Jesus revealing himself to this man. So I said, and also, Lord, whilst I'm here, would you just reveal your reality to him? Jesus, would you reveal yourself to him? That he would know that he would know that he would know that you are real and that you exist. Amen. And he was like, wow oh my gosh, Like, like what was that? What, what was that? Like, And it was amazing to watch God at work. And he was like, I don't know what that was, but I just felt this, this incredible like energy kind of just enter my body. We would call that the presence of God. We call this spirit of God. So like this incredible energy kind of going through my body, like what is that? What is that? What I love about that is that God doesn't care where we are, what building we're in, where we're at, where we are. Like God's heart is just breaking for the world. And he wants to use us in a normal, very natural way that's authentic to who you are. If you're caring, be caring in the world. If you're pastoral, be pastoral. If you're really filled with faith, be filled with faith. Whatever it is, be who you are on a Sunday, on a Monday, on a Tuesday, Wednesday. Let there be no difference. Just be like Joseph in and out of context, wherever you are, offering the things of God to, to the people that God has placed in your life.